Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk. It's the Blue Gold Report. All right, it is another Blue Gold Report brought to you by D.L. McComb and Son Funeral Homes. I am Mike Rags. I'm going to bring in Todd Burlidge from Blue Gold Illustrated here in a second. But I do want to remind you, wherever you found us, make sure you rate and review us and share us with your friends and all the Notre Dame fans in your life. And welcome on board Saturday morning to ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Lots to get to get to today, including bringing Mason Plummer back again. A couple of big-time visits come to the stadium last weekend. We want to get an update on that. We're also going to break down uh, the uh, the USC win in a couple of minutes. It was a nail-biter where it probably shouldn't have been. And uh, we are a bye week, so let's throw in some Notre Dame men's hoops. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But here he is. Uh, he is. He's licked his wounds from last week and uh, enjoyed the game, I'm sure, a little bit. Uh, Todd Burlidge. Todd, uh, you know what? At halftime, I thought it was going to be a runaway and we're going to get some style points. And then we got different kinds of style points later on in the game. Yeah, for sure. UC's a good opponent, and they were here. To, you know, I thought Notre Dame sort of regrouped, and we'll break it down a little bit more, but a 30-27 win. Did get a little dicey in that fourth quarter, no doubt about it, but Notre Dame gets out of there, beats a good opponent. And moves to number eight in the country. So uh, I guess you just take it and run when you're playing a, a really solid rival and, and, and a, really a worthy opponent. And chippy, too. Got a little chippy. Obviously, that fight yeah. at halftime. You know, a little spunk out of both teams. We hadn't seen that between these two rivals in a while. Yeah, for sure. That was nice to see, actually, because we haven't really seen that out of Notre Dame in a while, frankly. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, all right, let's start every show. Let's start this show like we start every show. It's the Blue Gold Nuggets. Todd, what do you got? Got a three-pack rags. We're going to start with some midseason. Obviously, Notre Dame at uh, five and one. We've reached the halfway pole of the twelve-game regular season here, and some midseason honors are coming out here. The Associated Press followed up on its preseason ranking of Tommy Kramer being a second-team All-American. He's actually now a second-team All-American at midseason here, which surprises a lot of people. Considering most folks might think he is outside of uh, obviously the first-year center, Jared Patterson. Um, actually think that Kramer might be the least valued of the other four offensive linemen, but he continues to bring in the hardware and good for him. And a couple of midseason all-freshman team, um, this is from The Athletic, both well-deserved. I just mentioned Jared Patterson, the center. He's a redshirt freshman. Uh, he's on that team, as is no surprise here, true freshman safety Kyle Hamilton. Um, he's also a member of The Athletic's midseason All-American team. A little bit of old news here, but I thought it was worthwhile since, uh, you know, this is going to be the next big game, the next game period for Notre Dame. The kickoff time for the Irish and the Wolverines has been announced here. No surprises here. It's going to be 7.30 p.m. up in Ann Arbor. Um, Another prime timer there. That's going to be on ABC. Michigan, let's see here. Uh, Michigan is 27-4 and at home under Jim Harbaugh. He takes a lot of heat, but he's still been really good at home. And of those four losses, two of them have come to Michigan State. And two of them come to Ohio State. So both his rivals have done a decent job up there. I think that's what gets the fans a little bit edgy. Uh, let's see. Notre Dame has lost four straight up at the big house and seven of its last eight. So that's going to be a little bit tough on the Irish. We're going to get into some recruiting, as you mentioned, with Mason Plummer down the way here. BK, during the bye week, is out on the road. He's actually going to be in Richmond, Virginia this weekend uh, to visit his running back commit, hotshot Chris Tyree. And uh, he's at Thomas Dale High School there in Richmond. There's another player that Notre Dame has its eye on here out of Thomas Dale High School. It's defensive lineman Bryce Carter. 
He was up for the USC game on a visit. He does not have an offer yet, so we'll see if anything comes of that with Brian Kelly down there in Richmond making a flyby there this weekend. And then BK's also going to stop by Columbus, Ohio, where I'm sure he'll be loved and greeted warmly. Um, Pickering High School, he wants to watch his new fresh recruit, Lorenzo Styles play. This kid's a 2021 guy, wide receiver, really a nice get, and Mason will break that down a little bit more. Uh, but Brian Kelly's going to stop by Pickering there and make sure that he seals the deal with Lorenzo Styles, who committed after USC weekend and rags those your blue gold nuggets. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about this USC game. Obviously, it was became a, a nail biter, a little un, a little uh, unnecessary, I think, to say the least. But there's no doubt about it. Um, we learned we've got a great running game again, uh, and they dominated on that side of the ball. But with Ian Book once again, Todd. I know. I know. He 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 navigated that that drive that won the game, but he was very inaccurate. Did throw an interception, but uh, he didn't instill a lot of confidence in the team. It was a T, it was the TJ Junior show, no doubt about it. Yeah, it's just bizarre with Book. You know, when you look at the numbers, they're pretty much on par with last year. You know, he's on pace to really get close to three thousand yards, if not eclipse three thousand yards. Fourteen TDs, two interceptions. That all looks pretty good. Uh, but there's just something that's not passing the eye test, and you're exactly right. Now, I want to talk about that drive because that was impressive. USC scores to make it 23-20. to 20. There's still 10 and a half minutes left in this game, and I was getting a bad feeling, as mm-hmm. I can tell you were two rags. Uh, but Notre Dame responds, and this is something the Irish have done, and Ian Book has done, actually. He's been pretty good in the clutch on these very important drives. The Irish put together a 14-play, 75-yard touchdown drive to answer USC's touchdown. Uh, and so the, the, that took six minutes and 54 seconds, so just about seven minutes. That made it 30-20, to 20, really put the game out of reach. The uh, Trojans actually scored with a minute four left in the game, um, which was impressive as well. And, and uh, Let's see, what was that drive? Uh, that nine plays, 77 yeah. yards. That was a good drive there, too, making it 30-27. There was only a minute four left. Uh, so I honestly think that that drive that I talked about earlier uh, for Notre Dame, the seven-minute drive, 14-play drive, really is what won this game. And we asked Brian Kelly about that drive because truly that was the, that, that's really what won it for the Irish. That's how you have to win games. You know, whatever means necessary to win a football game, whether it's throwing the football or running the football, you have to be equally uh, effective. And they were playing a, a two-deep zone, and it was important that we ran the football in that situation. So um, our offensive line, tight ends, did a great job blocking. Again, taking a lot of time off the clock. I, I thought Chip did a really good job of, of, of being measured in terms of not wanting to push tempo but to use clock in that situation. Um, so uh, just a, a well-orchestrated drive that ate a lot of clock because obviously you know, they had that, you know, that, that quick touchdown and uh, it was important from from my perspective that uh, we take some time with that drive. And the important thing too to le- learn from that drive: fourteen plays, twelve were running plays. Yeah, Todd, and they, it, that's what ate up the clock and preserved the, the ball and the, the time for them. And that was huge. So you know, yes, Ian Book. Th- there's the downside, but he is in charge of that drive. And you got to give them credit for that. When they needed it, they got it. And I love, there's nothing I more I love more in footballs when your team has the lead and they run off 15 plays in eight minutes. And they came pretty close to both. Yeah. I love that. 
Yeah, especially when it's on the ground. And yep. You're not doing anything fancy. You're not taking much of chances. And we talked about it at length here because I think it's an important point to bring up again. When Brian Kelly opened this season, he said the key to success is going to be running the ball and stopping the run. And it didn't happen right away for the Irish, that's for sure. That's something that took a little time to evolve. But I think with Tony Jones Jr., the work he is doing, it's really coming around on the offensive side of the ball. And I can give you a little, uh, get to give you some defensive numbers as well. But um, Notre Dame, with Tony Jones Jr., he now has three straight 100-yard games. He has four on the season, and this was including the 176 yards, which was a career high against USC. He has been really good. As a matter of fact, I think he's been so good that he's his team MVP, in my opinion, to this point. He's moved up to number 33 in the nation, 92.8 yards per game. And, and, you know, meanwhile, Notre Dame's rushing game is, is climbing right along with it. Um, let's see, I'm trying to find it here, Rags. They were at number 85 in the country through three games, and now they've jumped almost 40 spots. Um, they, so now they're at number 45. So... And that's just in three games, and that's on the heels of Tony Jones Jr.'s work here. So Brian Kelly was asked, you know, Rags, we've sort of downplayed. I mean, it was Jafar Armstrong, Jameer Smith, and we could go back years. I mean, Jones is a, you know, he's a senior, so he's just been kind of overshadowed. And here's Brian Kelly explaining why that is, and I thought this was kind of interesting. Tony has been kind of, you know, pigeonholed into this kind of, you know, um, journeyman back, but he does so many things well. Um, he just doesn't have, you know, four three speed. Um, but he blocks. Uh, he's tough. He's physical. He's going to get you the extra yard. Who wouldn't want a back like that? Um, you know, he plays through nicks and bumps. He practices hard. He's a great teammate. Uh, give me a boatload of Tony Jones as I'll take him in a heartbeat. I think a lot of it too, Todd, is the offensive line. We're still trying to find their footing after a big opening yeah, week, and yeah. then they're two games in a row. They both disappeared, though. All offensive line and Tony Jones Jr., uh, especially after that Georgia game, we're wondering, uh, what are we doing here, guys? This is supposed right. to be our strength. And then they finally found their footing, and I think that's been a big part of it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that at all, Rags. I think this offensive line is becoming one of the best in the country. As a matter of fact, they were rated uh, by Pro Football Focus this week as the number one offensive line in the country. That was more based on pass protection, but at the same time, it goes to show you that this is really coming along. And they're starting to take over games in the fourth quarter. And I think what's also happening is the improvement. Again, I'll, I'll mention it. You know, Brian Kelly says, stop the run, run the ball. That's going to be the key. Well, that defense is coming around, too, on its part, uh, as far as stopping the run. The defense as a whole, actually, this was the 20th, 20th straight game, 20th straight game that Notre Dame has not allowed an opponent to score 30 points. USC hung 27 on them. There's only one streak longer in the country, and that's Washington. Washington has gone 21 straight games without giving up 30 points. So that's of note. But also the defense is stopping the run, I think, is important, too. You know, through the first three games, they were ranked only 110th at stopping the run. You know, even Louisville. And and, um, and uh, New Mexico ran all over them. So that was a big problem there. That unit has jumped 48 spots nationally just in the last three games. They've gone from 110th to 62nd. So they've jumped 48 spots, Rags. So you're seeing improvement on both of those important areas uh, that Brian Kelly was looking for. And I certainly think we would be remiss if we didn't mention junior place kicker Jonathan Dorr and the work he did. My word. This guy has been clutch this year, and that was a big worry coming into the season. He nailed field goals, and he nailed them, man. There was no doubt about these. 45, 
52 and 43. So these aren't chippies by yep. any stretch of the imagination. And Rags, that's moved him to six of seven on this season. He has been clutch, and this can do nothing but help his confidence. He had some big shoes to fill in Justin Yoon. No doubt about it. He's made every extra point as well, 27 of 27. And if you watch the kicking in the NFL uh, and the level it's at, there's no reason to believe that he might not find another job after this job because <laughs> if he keeps kicking like this, there's a there's definitely a void of good place kickers in the NFL. And I'm glad you brought him up because he was killer uh, in that game on Saturday, so there's no and, doubt about and they'd it. And they ended up needing it, and they needed ended up uh, they ended up needing every bit of it too. Rags, you know, yeah. you didn't feel like it at first, but yeah, you know, they needed he 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 had to go three for three, two for three would have sent him to overtime, and one of three wouldn't have done him any good. And we're going to talk about what it means potentially. Some people on this panel think they could make the playoffs, and we'll bring in Mason uh, Plummer and talk about that. Some people like Mason, who wrote an article, think they can, and Todd and I have our skepticism right now but we'll see what happens uh and we'll talk about it after we talk about some notre dame hoops todd because hey whenever there's a bye week that gives us a chance to gear up and get ready for uh, basketball and before you know it uh they're going to be tipping off uh they're practicing they're ready to go what do we know about notre dame hoops right now yeah and they're going to open at north carolina too they're kind of mixing in that quick acc game for everybody yikes practice open this week and uh, so i you know we'll get to it we'll break it down a little bit more but you know i had a chance to talk to the players just to sort of get a feel you know coming off a 14 and 19 season 3 and 15 in the acc obviously this young team this beat up team took its slumps everybody's back other than dj harvey who transferred they're healthy they look good. They had an open practice, an open scrimmage. Obviously, when they're playing against each other, they're going to look good. We get all that. But at the same time, I like the attitude. Um, and I think that attitude comes from the return of Rex Fluger. Fifth-year senior, he's going to be a team captain. He went through so much rags last year, and this is way beyond the knee injury. In the span of four weeks, rags, he lost his grandmother. This is all in December. He lost his grandmother. His mother was then diagnosed with brain cancer, stage four brain Mm -hmm. cancer. She ended up passing just uh, about a month ago, actually. And then he busts his knee up, rips his ACL up that requires reconstructive surgery. All of this in the span of four weeks. He stayed strong through the support of his teammates and through the support of his coaches. And he's back. And I think he's mentally stronger than ever. I caught up with T.J. Gibbs, and I just kind of wanted to get a feel, a lay of the land with T.J. Gibbs, and certainly I wanted to ask him about the return of Rex Fluger and what he means to the team. So here's here's a short interview that I had with T.J. Yeah, obviously last year was a bit of disappointment for all of you. A lot of different reasons, a lot of new faces, a lot of injuries. Not what needs to change though this year? Um, I don't think we need to really change anything. I think um, the biggest thing that we've gotten uh, over this offseason is older. I mean, um, we get the majority of our team back, so that helps us a lot. And we already have a rapport. We have a chemistry about us that we already established, and that's, like, one of the biggest things that we were able to use for our advantage. But um, we went through that together. That made us stronger as a unit, as a team. And um, I know these boys have my back, and I have all of their backs, and that's the biggest thing that's going to lead us to this season. What's it mean to have Rex back again? Oh, it means the world to us. I mean, uh, he's a great player. He's able to do it on both ends. And when you have your leader, a guy that's able to set the standard, a gold standard, um, on both ends to just really be there, it sets the precedence for the rest of the team. Everybody feeds off of his energy, and we're able to play off of him. And when we, he's ready to go and, and back, and like it's, it's going to be a thing to watch. You, you touched on it a little bit there because it's like 
what's more important is leadership is production i suppose a little bit of both or a lot of both exactly and that's the the biggest thing that he gives us is he's, a, he's the do-it-all guy for us he gets the assists he gets the rebounds he gets the points but it's also his voice and uh leading us on defense telling guys where to be where to go and when we get all of that back it takes a lot of the the load off of the rest of the guys to just kind of just go out there and play knowing that like he's there and whatever we do wrong he has our back he's able to he's the eraser of our team right <laughs> He makes up all the mistakes that we make, and uh, when you have a guy like that, it's really easy just to play and just go out there. Are you getting better? I'm trying to. Each day is a new day, and um, just got to keep shooting, got to keep working, um, watching film, doing the little things. That's what Coach preaches is the little things matter, and don't take it for granted. I think with Fluger and obviously T.J. Gibbs there, there is no void of leadership on this team. These guys have been through the wars. They, they've, you know, for you know, four years now, Fluger longer than that. And have seen the highs and the lows, and I think this team can. I, this team's going to be better than folks think, especially if they can stay healthy. Rags. Um, one thing I did want to add is Notre Dame was actually picked to finish seventh in the ACC. The men, the women, were actually picked to only to finish fifth in the ACC. So, again, when we get close to the season opener, Rags, I want to have a debate with you on which team, which Notre Dame team, the men's or the women, is going to have a better year. <laughs> well, one thing we know for sure is when where nobody expects anything out of them and they have upperclassmen right. on the team, they that's when they tend to perform better than the teams that, oh my gosh, we're expecting a lot and we, you know, we're young and all that stuff. So, you know, this is the type of Mike Bray team that traditionally yeah. perfor- overperforms. So, so what, by the way, was that you dribbling in the background there? That was you, or no? Was that just yeah, pro- oh yeah, absolutely. Was, yeah, I, thought yeah, so. I was working on. Yeah, I was doing the interview and some uh, some ball handling drills there. I thought I well. heard you slam it a couple times too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. They need to get off to a good start. You know, I was talking to my editor at Blue and Gold Illustrated about, oh, geez, you got to start with North Carolina, and and he made a good point right back at me. He said, Todd, if you're going to get North Carolina, now is the time. That, that's when you want to get them. You don't want to get them later in the year. And the ACC rags, they lost so many great players. I believe John Mooney, who was celebrated on one of the postseason all-ACC teams and is a first-team preseason selection this year, it's him and one guy from Louisville. Those are the only two on all the ACC teams. I can never say all-ACC. I'm going to have to work on that (laughs) when I get home. But everybody's gone. So this is a conference that turns the page on a lot of teams and players Meanwhile, Notre Dame brings everybody back, so that's encouraging as well. And we just got word while we're recording this uh, podcast too. Zion Williamson's hurt, and he's not even going to start the season in uh, in the NBA. Oof, that's uh, that's not good for him. But you know what? We don't worry about that here. This is a Notre Dame podcast. Yeah, I'm glad he's not coming back to Duke. All right, let's bring him in again. He was a guest last week, and he's a guest this week, talking more recruits coming in. It's our good buddy Mason Plummer. Of course, you can find him on Twitter, at MasonPlummer6. He writes for Slap the Sign. He's a contributor to the Blue and Gold podcast, and we got him on today again. Uh, how you doing there, Mason? Doing great, guys. How you doing? Not too shabby, my friend. Not too shabby. Um, we talked last week with you about what a monster recruiting weekend this was going to be, uh, the USC weekend for Notre Dame. And indeed it was, and indeed they actually plucked a little fruit off this thing, and some and some very ripe and, and very tasty fruit, and by the, a wide receiver by the name of Lorenzo Styles Mason. I mentioned him earlier in the show at the top of the show. Six one, hundred seventy pounds. He's rated as the number twenty eight player in all of the nation, number two in Ohio, and the number four wide receiver. What can you tell us about Lorenzo Styles? 
Lorenzo Styles is just a stud, and uh, it, the most notable thing to me uh, is pulling him out of Ohio. Pickerington, Ohio is real close to Columbus, right where Ohio State is. To pull him out of Ohio where they just push out NFL caliber wide receivers straight into the NFL like, like it's their job. And, um, but, you know, Lorenzo Styles coming to Notre Dame, it, it, pro- it proves a lot in how Notre Dame is recruiting and what Notre Dame wants to do with the wide receiver position. And, um, yeah, Styles is going to be a stud, but and it's yet to be seen as they like him on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball. Mm. Uh, he might even be better as a corner. So uh, that'll, be yet, that'll be seen once he comes into camp and starts working out for Notre Dame. Um, yeah, which shouldn't surprise anybody if he ends up starting at corner next year or the year after. Do you have any feel, Mason, on how open he would be to that? He plays both sides of the ball in high school, and the coaching staff has definitely talked to him about it. That was part of the the lure to Notre Dame. Um, yeah, so I think he'd be fine with it. It'd be, it, I mean, again, that's another thing that's going to have to work itself out. But with how Notre Dame has recruited the corner position recently, I've, I've highlighted a couple times when I've been on the show that it hasn't been great. And um, if you can get a guy like Styles, who's one of the better athletes in the country, to play corner for you, his ball instincts are just unreal on both sides of the ball. So if you can get him to play corner, that's just that's a great pickup for Notre Dame. We're talking with Mason Plummer. Find him on Twitter at MasonPlummer6. And uh, speaking of plucking people out of Ohio, uh, Mason, uh, let's go to the college, Ohio State. Isaiah Pryor still has a couple years eligibility left, comes for a visit. By the way, his dad's name's Richard Pryor. No relation whatsoever but it looks like if he comes on board this six foot two 200 pounder gonna be a lot like alohi gilman yeah I, I see that comparison um yeah he's a stud he's from uh, ohio state um wasn't getting playing time there so decided to open up and uh, looks like he could be coming to notre dame from everything i've read and everything that's been said about prior he could have committed this past weekend against usc but you know, he wanted he wanted his mom and his, his uh, family to see Notre Dame and make sure it was 100% what they think or uh, that it's the right decision for him and them, you know, as a family. And that's the kind of kid you want to see at Notre Dame, someone that's not all about themselves. He really cares about his family and wants to be sure it's the right decision for not only him but them as well. Mason, how, how confident are you that Pryor will land at Notre Dame? You haven't heard anything about any other school unless he decides to flip and stay at Ohio State, which isn't going to happen. He should be Notre Dame uh, through and through. Whether that – it could be any day now, but uh, I would say probably next home game he would uh, he'd visit again. He talked about visiting again, and he'd probably commit on campus if he's not already a silent commit. Yeah, as Rags mentioned, two years of eligibility there because he will graduate in December. I'm going to switch gears on you. You can find Mason Plummer, as, as Rags mentioned, Mason Plummer 6 on Twitter. Does a lot of work for Slap the Sign. Mason, I actually saw one of your stories there, and I took a little bit of an exception to it, so I'm going to bring it up here. You kind of spelled out the scenario where you think Notre Dame could indeed make the playoffs, and I'm not totally ruling that out, but you talked a lot about the teams that are ranked ahead of Notre Dame. Now, granted, Notre Dame is the number one ranked team with one loss, but what I was surprised you didn't mention is the teams ranked behind Notre Dame. I all I, I honestly feel like with Notre Dame in the top twelve, they're the only. I'm sorry, with Notre Dame ranked number eight with one loss, I feel like Notre Dame's the only team because of that independence and that one loss that has no control over its own destiny. I even feel like if the teams all the way down to number twelve win out, they're going to be in. Have you? Did you look over Notre Dame's shoulder and, instead of just uh, up front? 
I did, and it, at the moment it's 9, 10, and 11, Florida, Georgia, and Auburn that are in the SEC, and the SEC is just going to beat each other up as far as I, as far as I can see. Um, at number 12, I don't think Oregon's all that great. The Pac-12 isn't good at all, at all either, but uh, Justin Herbert's a great quarterback, but I don't think he can do it all himself. I see them losing another game, making them two losses, and therefore out of contention. But, um, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good thought to bring up, and it's very possible that Florida, Georgia, or Auburn manage to win out, but they have tough slates ahead of them, and I think it's more likely that they don't. Mason, did you write that article before or after Georgia lost? It was right after. <laughs> um, it was, I, part of my article was talking about it was good and bad, mainly bad that Georgia lost to South Carolina. There's pros and cons to everything, and um, right. if Georgia right. manages to get through and maybe beat Alabama, it still looks good for Notre Dame, but yeah, that loss definitely hurts. So. Well, we'll see what happens. One thing's for sure, they have to root for Michigan this week and then beat them next week. That's important. That's got to happen. Mason, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, we'll do it again, I'm sure, real soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. I want to slip one more thing in here. Um, I'm, I'm actually sorry we cut Mason off because I'm, I'm kind of dogging him out a, l- a little bit, <laughs> and, he, and he's been hung up on, so I can take free reign here. Um, I honestly disagree with Mason in that the Georgia loss was bad for Notre Dame. I actually think it's good for Notre Dame because your big worry, if you're an Irish fan, you, you absolutely have to keep the dynamic of two SEC teams filling up the four spots in the playoffs. If that happens, I honestly don't think Notre Dame has a chance. So in many respects, even though obviously you wanted Georgia to keep rolling because you played a close game with them on the road, so you want to keep their stock high, I I think you have to do everything in your power to keep two SEC teams out of that four-team mix. And my point with Michigan is they lose to Penn State, it's over for Notre Dame. They beat Penn State, I I see an avenue. But if Michigan loses this week, you just you're not going to have the resume. Michigan wins, and you beat them in the big house. Then you can start making the argument. That's the thing. I think this weekend, Michigan Penn State is actually bigger than what happened with Georgia. One way or another, you're going to need chaos if you're a Notre Dame fan, and you may get it, as Mason mentioned, rightfully so. That, that SEC, that's going to beat up on each other. We listed a lot of SEC teams there. Well, they all still have to play each sure. other. So, like I said, the main thing for Notre Dame fans is to keep two teams from the SEC from reaching, from taking four of those spots. If that happens, there are some avenues, but in my opinion, it's still a long shot because there just isn't any power on Notre Dame's November schedule. Not only that, but if LSU-Alabama is a close game and one team wins, sure. it, it won't matter. They're both going to end up making it. So uh, it, it is an interesting dichotomy, but I just don't I don't know. Right now, I didn't feel good after that Georgia loss. I, I, I have to be honest. You guys are making me feel a little bit better, and I still say uh, I'm watching Penn State and Michigan with extra added eyes this coming weekend for sure. Yeah, and Penn State's a fairly sizable favorite in that game, so it would be a bit of an upset for Michigan to win it, but certainly stranger things have happened. All right, well, we've got a bye week uh, this week, so nothing to preview, so we can say goodbye, and we'll actually be able to watch all those games that are of note for Notre Dame, Todd. So we'll do this all over again next week. Let me remind people, uh, Blue Gold Report being brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. If you found us via podcast, make sure you rate, review us, and share us with all your friends. And if you're listening on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM, don't worry, Fighting Irish Preview is next, even though they're not previewing anything. (laughs) But they are previewing the rest of the year, so the, the judge is coming up next. Todd, we'll do this all over again next week. All right, sounds good, Rex. Thanks, man. Thank you.
This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.